This is like a magician's wet dream, dude. Think about how many illusions you could pull off with this. Yeah, you could just pass rabbits between it and impress like <laughs> <Yeah>. templetons. <laughs> boys here three tourists heading out for a weekend picnic uh my name is peter i can't read o'donohue and i am joined by no no the map says we're on the corner of crenshaw and third boulevard i'm telling you jamie okay dude i can't even read <laughs> oh uh hey peter i'm ethan jamie got us lost again he won't give uh, me the compass he tells me i have the map so he deserves the compass but he doesn't know how to use the compass i think the two of those tools work in tandem but you need to know how to use both of them yeah, I think the compass is confused because every time it just points in the same direction every time, no matter where I want to go. <laughs> like not, not even north. It's like jammed against the glass. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's like a picture of a compass. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. For a while, I did get away with just giving him a, a drawing of a compass that he was pretty happy with. Um, but then he, he managed, he learned that I had the real compass and now he's, he's throwing a big fit. He doesn't, I tried to explain to him that a map and a compass is a, a lot like the keys that are used to activate nuclear armaments, but he just doesn't seem to get the metaphor. You need two compasses at the same time to be able to go north. It's not safe. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I'm James Miller. Uh, there you go. Two compasses at the same time. Every man's fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so as I'm sure the listeners are aware, if they have checked the title, uh, in this week 18 of my imprisonment in the listener request labor camp, uh, <laughs> we, we are covering the novel Roadside Picnic, uh, written by Arkady and Boris Strugatsky in 1972. Cool. Can I just say uh, there's no way you've done 18 weeks of listener requests at this point? That seems That seems wrong. We're 18 weeks into the year, and 2021, I don't believe I've made any of my own decisions. Oh, because you you're you not doing every week, right? You're doing every third week. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, see? They don't let me out of this, like, out of this room just because you guys are hosting. It's all virtual. I thought it was, like, white-collar tax prison where you just had to show up on weekends or something. Yeah. Oh, I get to I get to podcast uh, once a week and leave my cell. Yeah. Right? <laughs> just, sure, you commit a tax fraud, but who cares? <laughs> Just about all of mine have been user like requests. I think Rayman wasn't, and sometimes when I get into the older games, but yeah. we're, we're doing a, a better job of, of keeping on top of those. I feel. We're committed. We're committed. Yeah, yeah well, uh, maybe finally the listeners are, are requesting the right things, huh? Maybe it's their <laughs> fault this whole time. It is their fault. <laughs> I, I agree, actually. <laughs> um, yeah. You can always pay to be correct. Uh, so I did want to front load this. Uh, we're looking to make some changes to the old Patreon tiers just to mm -hmm. increase value for... Uh, you know the 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 important ones. Um, not not everybody on the Discord, but you know whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we were looking to add some behind the scenes material to uh, the fifteen dollar tier. Uh, we still have the vast majority of all of our episode scripts. So if you pay fifteen dollars or more per month, we were thinking that you could request one of the scripts, and if we have it, we can just send you the script as is. Um, like I was telling the boys earlier uh, before we started recording, one of my favorite YouTubers does it and people seem to like that. So if you want to see the notes and like maybe correspond it to points in the episode, if that's something interesting, please let us know uh, in the Prime Folks channel on the Discord. And if you're not in the Discord, it's loreboys.com slash about to get into the Discord. 
Yeah. I didn't know Ben Shapiro shared his uh, scripts. That's your favorite YouTuber, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is. It, it is. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. his word documents just in, and it's just like whatever he's going to talk about. And then like inserted photos of just different women's feet. <laughs> unrelated <laughs> too. unrelated too. <laughs> I'm just waiting for him. Like, you know, I'm just, I just want to meet his sister. So I, I'm a, you know, top tier Shapiro subscriber. Of course. Of course. Yeah. On his Patreon or whatever. You know he posts a lot of pictures of his sister's feet. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm not really about, but, you know, like, it's good enough. Yeah. You know I, You know, if you ever got the chance to be with Abby Shapiro, she would insist that Ben watched, right? Would you be okay with that, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably be more okay with that than doing it without her. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Put it in her P word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, wait, sister, we have to stop. It's looking all wet. That can't be healthy. My wife said that's not healthy. You made her sick. Yeah, yeah. It's a little man speaking so quickly in the corner of the room. Yeah. <laughs> Would that get distracting? Oh, yeah, dude. The facts and logic that he'd be spewing out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Give it to her, Snowflake. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> oh christ anyway uh speaking of siblings actually um arkady and boris strugatsky were born in the soviet union uh sure. in 1925 and 1933 respectively uh the golden age of the soviet union mm-hmm. uh the stalin era sure. you know um the strugatsky brothers wrote dozens of novels uh some of which actually take place in a shared universe uh, set in the 22nd century uh called the world of noon um roadside picnic is not part of that shared universe i did not look into it okay um the topic of today's episode also coined the term stalker uh when referring to urban or industrial tourists wait is that a word for in urban or industrial tourists a stalker i don't know i don't know if it's specific to russia but like people who go to abandoned buildings and whatnot to like that kind of tourism like old warehouses old abandoned buildings and whatnot the term now since the 70s has been stalker so coincidentally in the same way that heinlein in my uh starship troopers episode coined space marine yeah. uh this is where the term stalker comes from if you've ever heard that uh referred to in urban exploration yeah, have you ever watched those urban exploration videos? They're so cool. Yeah, like, I mean, people... I have restraining orders against multiple old buildings, so I know. All <laughs> like people going to like old subway stops that have been out, like it, it's like a museum of the past. It's just like completely abandoned stuff. So Jamie cool. and I climbed into an abandoned building by the metro one night, and we we're just like looking around, and I see this drawing, like a pencil drawing of a tiger. I still on, have it on the ground, and I gave I gave it to him. I was like, "Oh, look what I found!" or whatever. Then we walk into the next room, and it was like a graffiti mural that somebody did, and that was clearly like the sketch that they had brought with yeah. them. But, 
Yeah. I wonder if the same building, because I was just about to go into a quick aside about like Dara and I broke into an abandoned building here in Montreal. It's like we had to right beside Lucien Lallier. So, you had to climb a tree to get into the window. I remember I stopped to tie my shoes and we were a little drunk. And I looked up <laughs> and there was like a perfect tree leading up to an open window on a summer day. And like, we had to get into it. Yeah, we were also like fairly drunk, but we actually managed to get in like one of the doors. So like the, the fence had like been pushed down and we managed to like just kind of get through nice. off to the side and get in that way. I thought we were going to wake up a hybrid. I thought we were going to wake up a hibernating hobo for sure and be chased oh, yeah. out like a, from its den. Careful, they're they're dangerous when they're protecting their eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Spit, spits black tar on your face. Like. <laughs> Empty 40 bottles clanging from its like running yeah, yeah. through them. Um, yeah, so we've all done a little our, our share of urban stalkering uh, in in the past here. At the same building, of course, but <laughs> yeah. perfect. Um, other books that they uh, wrote when translated to in, into English actually sound like they could exist in other media. So, Land of Crimson Clouds sounds like a Netflix documentary about a white guy from California on some kind of spiritual journey. Sure, right. Um, Hard to be a god does sounds like a, Di- a Disney Channel show about teenage gods in high school. I was gonna say Kanye West biography, but oh, still good. I mean, as long as it's any media that isn't Russian sci-fi, right? <laughs> uh, <coughs> the kid from hell is very clearly just a Goosebumps novel. <laughs> yeah, R.L. Stein. And then Beetle in an Ant Hill is about sodomy. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Beetle in an anthill sounds yeah. like it's too big to fit in the hole. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah! What it is? It's actually just like an engineering novel about holes. Yeah. Wow, by Louis Sakar. Is that like the the book holes? Yeah, who wrote that? Actually, I, that's a name that just came to my reflexively to my head. Jamie, pull up the clip. I, I'm, just, yeah, I'm, on, I'm on it. Okay. Yeah, cut me off with some trivia at some point. <laughs> Um, Roadside Picnic was nominated for the okay. John. Can I just say, I, I tried to type Holes novel, but I accidentally wrote Hoyle's novel, and it came up Dynamics of Engineered Artificial Membranes and Biosensors by William Hoyles. <laughs> <laughs> I'll assume that's not what we're looking for. It is Louis Sakar. Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, very good. I liked that movie and that book when I was in high school. I remember that the guy, the main character's name was spelled forward the same as backward. Stanley Yelnats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hiding uh, in the shadows. Uh, Roadside Picnic was nominated for the John W. Campbell Award in 1978 and won second place, uh, beaten by Frederick Pohl's Gateway, which is a book I've never heard of, um, but beating out Philip K. Dick's bronze medal story, A Scanner Darkly. Oh, wow. The Keanu Reeves yeah. uh, movie. Yes. Uh, so Roadside Picnic is going to be the B-plus novella for our B-plus podcast, Ella. What's the movie about with uh, Keanu Reeves? I've never seen it, but I've heard good I've things. Yeah. Is that the half-animated one with all the yeah. bugs everywhere? Yeah. Oh, I've seen it. it was yeah, crazy. I was going to say, when you asked, I was like, I thought Jamie was the one who recommended it to me. But if he's asking, then who are, it was who's one of those driving movies. the car? I, I caught it on TV back when you had to like tune in at a specific time to watch yeah. a movie, and I saw it like I got twenty minutes in, and then I stayed for the rest of it. So I haven't fully seen it, but it was good. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. 
Um, so John W. Campbell, the man this award is named after, wrote Who Goes There, uh, which would later be adapted into the films The Thing from Another World, and more importantly for me, because it's one of my favorite films, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, cool. Uh, Roadside Picnic, or Roddy Picks, as I call him, sure. uh, has been adapted a few times over the years. Uh, once in 1977, but something about the adaptation was disliked by the strong and confident Soviet censors, so <laughs> every single copy had been, has been destroyed. Damn, okay. dude. Yeah. Did you guys know, this is a fun, a fun fact about censorship. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon recently, and... I looked up. I've listened to a lot of Ben Shapiro recently. He's very concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He wants to catch them all. All them dry pussies. Uh, (laughs) All them feed picks. Uh, He, um, not he, but Pokemon, there's like a number of like banned episodes or whatever. And there's one where he goes to the Safari Zone uh, and it's banned because the Safari Zone masked like park ranger holds a gun to Ash Ketchum's head. And uh, basically, like it, it was it aired once in Japan, and then like every other region, like four kids was just like, yeah, we're not gonna put that in there because he also like shoots the gun at like Jesse and James and Meowth for a while. (laughs) But then it's like Ash has thirty Tauros later on in the series, but you never find out where the fuck he got thirty Tauros because it's from the (laughs) Safari Zone episode. So (laughs) that's. Isn't there a band one where, well, Jesse, obviously, but also James has titties and they yeah. both have wearing the bikini. Yeah. I don't know if it's banned, but I've, I've seen that picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard not to. I saw that. I saw that picture on Ben Shapiro's laptop. That, don't you worry. There, there is also one that was legitimately banned and was parodied by the Simpsons that just like had a bunch of flashing lights and gave a bunch of kids in Japan seizures. Yeah. It's, it, that's an episode with Porygon in it. Uh, I know that one. They, they go to like cyberspace to ride Porygon. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, gives kids gives kids seizures by accident. <laughs> Porygon used <laughs> epilepsy. <It's> super effective. <laughs> uh, so following the destruction of the uh, adaptation from 1977, uh, in 1979, the Russian director Andrei Tarkovsky loosely adapted the film into the film Stalker. Uh, it loosely adapted the book into the film Stalker. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, Strugatsky's actually wrote the screenplay for this movie. Okay. You love to see uh, that. Yeah, it, it, when they when they actually like work together, I know the um, the author of um, uh, the Metro series that got adapted into the video games um, canceled. He like pulled the plug on the film adaptation that he because he was working on it with like Paramount or something, and they were just butchering it. So he was yeah. like, "Okay, if you guys aren't going to do this, then we're not doing it at all." Good for him. Fuck. Yeah, it's a good book too. I read twenty thirty three. I haven't read any of his other stuff, but I read twenty thirty three. Yeah, that's one of the things I want to get into one day for Reading. work on. Uh, audio books, <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> audio books um, that like I, podcasts, but longer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched most of the film uh, Stalker, uh, but the legit version that I had acquired legitimately didn't have subtitles and is over 160 minutes long. Um, and it's just not, it's not in English. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. The adaptation is like, close enough that i kind of get the setup but ultimately i don't know who any of the characters are supposed to be because they like nothing's the same also the 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 next time i cover a book audio wise i'm gonna have to listen to it at home and take notes because my drive to work is not long enough so i listen to this book in like 30 12 minute chunks (laughs) by the time i was writing this script i'm like who who the fuck is the main character (laughs) i don't remember anything Save money. I just buy the books and then I type them out completely, and then I, I have Microsoft Sam or Microsoft Brian read them to me. Yeah. Okay. And 
I, that way, I don't really feel like I've missed it because I've typed out the whole book ahead of time, so I kind of remember what's happening. I'll type yeah, out like books. I'll type out books. In, <laughs> I'll type out books in paragraph long uh, snippets, and I'll I'll donate hundred bits at a time to my favorite Twitch streamers uh, and have it read out on stream. So so everyone can share in it. It's kind of like like bootlegging, if you will. Yeah, pretty, pretty badass. And the hot tub streamers love it because you get all those donos. They say your name a bunch of times. It's pretty mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so for the gamers, uh, these are the farthest people from reading. So they definitely know that no, don't know that this is based on a book. Uh, for the gamers, an even looser adaptation of Roadside Picnic was made by GSC Game World in 2007 and released for PC. Uh, this is the game Stalker Shadow of Chernobyl, which people may have heard of. I mean, it does sound familiar, but I, I got nothing when I'm pulling it up. Yeah. Um, originally, this episode was going to be a comparison between the game and the book, but the book I really, really enjoyed and made the loose adaptation of the game's plot seem really fucking boring by comparison, so I just <laughs> didn't play it. <laughs> because I, it, like, it converted me to a fanboy over the course of the audiobook where I was just like, well, they're, if they're not going to do it right, I'm not going to play it, like sort of thing. I was mixing it up with fear because they both do that thing where they put a period after every single letter in the title. Acronyms. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. What does stalker stand for? Like, oh, so stalker in the book is not an acronym. Uh, it's right. just slang. Uh, it, the whatever. Jamie, pull up the clip. It scavengers, <laughs> scavengers, trespassers, adventurers, loners, killers, explorers, and robbers. Okay, so the type of people who stalkers. Jeez, well, like cops and robbers, you just had to go make it complicated, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I also, one of the other things that played into my decision to not play the game was uh, when I found out when the book was written, because the book predates the Chernobyl disaster that like we're all familiar with. And it was interesting to read something from a point in Soviet history that I isn't just like implanted into my like 90s pop culture brain as a child. Yeah. Like the Soviet Union in my head exists in World War II, sometime in the 50s during the cold war and then chernobyl but otherwise like all the other history is totally absent from like i love that you say i love that you say in the 50s in the cold war when it like kicked off in the 50s and lasted for 40 years almost like yeah but the cold war exists perpetually in my brain just in the 50s okay yeah i always have it as like an 80s thing like uh mr gorbachev tear down that wall oh yeah in my head kind of winding now but but again it's like the soviet union exists as like this distant like almost fantastical thing in yeah. in my head sometimes so like having something between the anchor points in history in the 70s i thought was really neat so i was just like bah, fuck this shadow of chernobyl it's like you're just boringifying it more than anything um so the novel takes place uh in an unknown year uh, however, it seems to be set in the future, at least from the perspective of, 19, of the 1970s. Um, and the entire novel takes place over the course of eight years, separated into several sections. Uh, that being said, it likely all takes place before 1999. Um, section zero is an excerpt from a radio interview. Uh, and section one is written in the first person. Uh, the rest are all written in the third person. So there's like kind of three formats, where, but the, there's... Five sections total, so zero to four. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So um, first person's Call of Duty, third person, as in Fortnite. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Chapter yeah. four is RTS. It's, it's much cool. harder to read. My, my APM is too low. The <laughs> F in Stalkers is for flossing. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get, like, 
like they go into the zone to get like epic emotes more yeah, than yeah. Anything. <laughs> risking their lives for uh, the setting of the novel is a town called Harmont uh, and its surrounding area. Uh, Harmont is assumed to exist somewhere in Canada. Um, and like Loreboy's canon, just from what I know about the topography of Canada, it's probably somewhere in central or northern Ontario, uh, just based on the environment that's described within the uh, within the novel. Okay, can I can I ask like what kind of what 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 words what environmentally describing words would you use to describe Northern Ontario? Yeah, like one character is just like how far is Thunder Bay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's um, about a half day's drive there, stranger. <laughs> uh, basically, it's kind of the like mixed forests of like alpine and leafy trees. The weather that's described generally as well, and the kind of landscape of the zone that's a little bit marshy in some parts. If you were driving like horizontally across Canada, like roll the dice, it's a pretty good chance you might be in Ontario. It's, it's a wide one. <laughs> it is, a it is the widest one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's the uh, widest one by a wide margin. <laughs> what is the tallest province is it quebec or quebec. nunavut oh maybe Nunavut with like baffin island and everything up there yeah yeah quebec really strikes me as the type to wear platform shoes so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but the goldfish inside are long dead <laughs> <laughs> little referendum fish from the 60s like, yeah. Bones. Yeah, yeah. i dyed my goldfish uh blur et blanc and they died yeah. <laughs> kill them immediately um anyway so that's that's lore boys canon is like in my head i was imagining it in ontario um because there's a bunch of international names within the novel at none of which are french so it's not northern quebec sure sure right. not a bit to be to miscamang guys it's nope. not there no no no, no. Does it, if it has a, the color and then object formula then it might be somewhere in the territories like yellow knife uh white horse yeah uh <laughs> It's yeah. It's just color than object, and then it's it's in the yeah. Uh, Callowit, <laughs> non avid, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a habit, but not not no French names. So they're all guys. There's no geese. That's what you're saying. Exactly. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Aucun geese. Thank, thanks. Thankfully. Aucun crest de geese. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, if you read the same, if you read the book with the same like Wikipedia pre-read poison that I had, you might come to the same conclusion because there's a lot of places that kind of have similar landscape to um, Ontario, like places in Eastern Europe, even Northern Quebec, some parts of the States definitely, but it's just like assumed to be in Canada. So I kind of went into it with that and then went from there. So Yeah. I mean, you did kind of describe the Boreal Shield, which is pretty big, but uh, yeah. You know. There's a place I know in Ontario where the robbers, adventurers, something, something, something. <laughs> scavengers, travelers, yeah. adventurers, looters, killers, escape they're all, artists. They're, they're all going in to get the belugas out. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why they went with stalker because if you say them all out loud, it doesn't really. It's well, it doesn't roll. It is a yeah. mouthful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at some point in the 20th century, six locations on Earth were briefly visited by space aliens of unknown origin. Uh, they then disappeared from our planet uh, within 12 to 24 hours, uh, leaving behind what we understand as bits and pieces of miraculous garbage. Um, beyond the luxury of Ontario, uh, visits were also confirmed to have happened in uh, Western Siberia, Uganda, and the South Atlantic, 
don't know if it was an island or like the coast of South America or whatever. It's just described as the South Atlantic. And then two go undescribed. So that's the four total. Um, the sci- the scientist who won the, in quotes, 19-something Nobel Prize in Physics uh, was Dr. Valentine Pillman. Uh, this is the excerpt from his interview where it is referred to as 19-something. So that's how we kind of know the, it's the latter half of the century after the 70s that he won his Nobel Prize. Not even the latter uh, half, it's the latter 10th. Yeah, he, he sounds like an ecstasy dealer. Valentine Pillman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you get your Valentine pills? <laughs> I have them for you, my friend. I won Nobel Prize for this. Hmm? Like so sweaty and like jawing constantly during his interview. <laughs> yeah. We were going to do it on TV, but he was making people nervous. Do you have any gum? <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk enough. I'm going to call you more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should start uh, he- the podcast, my friend. <laughs> last time i fall for that fucking trick uh, he was credited he was credited with the discovery of the pillman radiant uh despite the fact it had been discovered by a schoolboy and was first written about by a college student uh he openly laments on the radio the fact that you never know who is going to get credit for a discovery welcome to academia bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'll explain what the radiant is shortly Um, During the Harmont radio interview, uh, Pillman compares the six visitation locations to someone firing six bullets at our spinning planet um, along what is called the Earth-Deneb line. Um, I'm sure you guys could both define the Earth-Deneb line for me right now. It's like a line from us to Deneb or from Sol to Deneb? Jamie? What's a Deneb? Deneb is a star. (laughs) It's a star in the Cygnus constellation. It is, exactly. <laughs> it, is the pri- it is the primary or alpha star. It's the Chad star of the swan. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, like, if the Deneb was me and the globe was the Earth, and I'm throwing, like, chewing gum and where it sticks onto the globe, that's kind of, like, how it got to us because it was spinning and stuff? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. But the spinning uh, gum, or the, the spinning gum, the chewing gum would be slightly uh, smeared by the rotation of the Earth. Yes, and the Earth is being at an angle is why they're kind of offset in a, in a strange direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pillman explained that the Pillman Radiant is the point in space from where the shots were fired. Um, as yeah, Ethan knew already, Deneb is the main star of the Cygnus constellation and is 2,616 light years from Earth. Uh, once again, for our more primitive listeners, that is 9.3345391 to the exponent 34 football field. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'll be... <laughs> That's it's easier to digest. Yeah, for sure. yeah totally. Yeah. You couldn't even give us a times ten to the something, huh? You just had to to the thirty four. <laughs> That's the exponent thirty four. Those are yeah. easy exponents to handle for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, it's never officially said of the novel, but it would be kind of like his own lore boys canon that Valentine is suggesting that the visitors came from a planet or planets somewhere between uh, Deneb and Earth. Um, the uh, the visit in these six locations lasted about a day, like I said. Uh, the people in areas, so like not all the areas were inhabited. The one in the South Atlantic didn't seem to affect anybody. Um, whether there was like a city in Uganda that was visited. Harmont is not directly visited. The visit occurs outside of the town, but like different different people had been like, were within a visitation zone sure. when the aliens came and went. Uh, people in the areas reported strange conditions during and after the visits. 
in an area now called the First Blind Quarter. Uh, people said that a loud sound rendered them blind, but not deaf. Um, there was also the Plague Quarter and the Second Blind Quarter. Uh, scientists were predictably baffled by this result, how the loud sound took people's sight and not their hearing. Yeah, that's a, that's a head-scratcher. Uh, my best guess would be, because like sound is vibration of the air so kind of like the brown note you know where if you play the perfect note you will make somebody shit their pants yeah uh, there like there exists a note that will do that you find the note that will detach your optic nerve from your brainstem essentially right <laughs> <laughs> and somehow not rattle the bones in your ears to pieces like well yeah because it's the per- that's the thing about the finding the perfect pitch right like the brown oh, note yeah. also doesn't rattle your bones pieces just like when you're driving at a certain speed and your window starts everything vibrates at a certain frequency right yeah exactly pretty crazy drive fast enough and your wine glasses all explode i don't get yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. or you yeah i mean you 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 know you shit in a wine glass and it's gonna break that's just physics you know that's the brown note (laughs) that's the brown note for you I love the idea of truckers having to have different lanes because they have to drive at different speeds or else all their cargo will explode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just can't hit this. That was the, the whole premise of the movie Speed was the uh, the bomb was just rigged to blow up at a certain vibration, which, okay. hap- which occurs yeah. at 55 miles an hour. It was just for the crystal decanter. That was the yeah. <laughs> um also uh one of the other effects other than you know rendering people blind with the brown note uh or smashing all their wine glasses uh the dead uh in cemeteries within or near visitation zones are were raised and began just returning to their homes um they aren't decayed or dangerous like stereotypical zombies they kind of just return to their families they aren't really seemingly aware of what the fuck is going on and they barely communicate but they kind of they're kind of like they're kind of like their own memory, I guess. They kind of act out very simple tasks that they would have done in life, <laughs> kind of clumsily. So sure. just like after a long day of work, right? You kind of like a zombie, make your way home. Yeah, yeah. You make yeah. dinner. You're not even aware of what's going on. Just all My rope. dad, who's been dead for ten years, just walked into the house one day, immediately took off his pants and got into his PJs. I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I knew Fox News was brainless, but he's been watching it for hours. <laughs> Uh, to ensure the safety of people outside of the zones, uh, the, Insti- the International Institute for Extraterrestrial Cultures was started uh, after local armies rolled out to ensure the zones were all walled off and quarantined. Um, the institute became dedicated to collecting and studying what are formally called artifacts. Um, this is the kind of miraculous garbage that is left behind. Uh, one of the characters in the book, uh, it's I think it's uh, M- Mr. Noonan, is like talking to someone about, like, the concept of what it is the reason it's called roadside picnic is that is what we understand the visits to be they just kind of stopped by and left so the way he explains it to the other character is that imagine you go and have a picnic in the forest and the animals in the woods that are too simple to understand what's going on are just terrified by all the noise and then when you leave and leave behind garbage these things that they don't understand like might as well be magical sure yeah yeah it's like um they showed up looking for intelligent life, landed in northern Ontario, and we're like, well, there's nothing. <laughs> decided to leave. <laughs> one, just like one Ontario guy walked up to him looking for picnic baskets, and then he was immediately dissolved. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a YouTube video where this guy kept bringing different types of pizzas out to the forest and left them in front of a camera and see like what animals would eat what types of pizzas. <laughs> and- 
happens twice. <laughs> the, the frozen kind that you cook it yourself at home got eaten before the Domino's one, like every single time. Like they'd sniff the Domino's and go to the other one. Oh yeah. Did he cook the frozen one? Yeah, he cooked the frozen one, brought it out to the. Then he okay. bought like a really expensive one, and I think they still like the frozen one. But I can't remember now. No. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that is fucking. That is fascinating. That full stopped all all brain processes towards roadside picnic for me. Yeah. I was just like, why do the why do the deers and the raccoons prefer the frozen Mister? If I was the pizza Mr. manufacturer, I would be like deer endorsed frozen pizza. It'd be so cute. Can you? <laughs> Hey. That's your commercial, yeah. It's right? them skipping over the dominoes, skipping over the whatever you have it. Guys, I've taken Nine a few marketing courses. Years. You don't want to present your pizza as garbage fit for animals. I'll say that. Okay? <laughs> you don't want to present your, your product like that. It's not a good light. I mean, like, Domino's pizza is left, like, uneaten even when abandoned <laughs> in the wilderness is a bad review. <laughs> Domino's. So bad a raccoon won't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> See those things, you paper bags. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the artifacts uh, appear to have beneficial effects, like what is called the so-so, and you can just do the hand motion at the same time, just like the eh, rock your hand back and forth. Sure. Uh, it's kind of a black rod, and it seems to be some kind of infinite battery. The issue is it's quite small, so they're trying to find like ways to adapt it into more like industrial uses to stop burning fuel and whatnot. I mean, um, an infinite battery. Yeah, it's, it's pretty like good. An, an infinite double A, I guess. It's just like it doesn't produce enough. <laughs> Not even. It's it'd be like a it'd be like an infinite D battery. So it's like, wow, I can drive my remote controlled monster truck for the next quintillion years. Thank God. Like, it won't even fit into my Game Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like never decays, I guess. Then because like infinite implies you could just pull as much power as you want from it, but as it's more like yeah. everlasting battery, yeah. or you know. That part's but, not detailed. Like the main yeah. characters are tend not to be scientists in this. The Soso is described as an infinite battery, just like uh, a the bracelets are discovered by accident to be these little rings that just are perpetual motion. They spin forever. When we open the the universe of the infinite kittens, like they came out at a, at a fixed rate, right? Yeah. You couldn't access all the kittens at once, but it, they would come out forever and ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The bracelet's perpetual motion is discovered by accident when one is being sold to like an artifact dealer. He just like kind of takes it out and starts fucking with it, like just twirling it on his finger, and then it just kind of like locks like all his dealers in price forever. Like all dealers <laughs> in priceless artifacts, they're known to just pick up ancient pottery and just spin it around on their finger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? This is a priceless leftover of a visiting alien race. Uh, woo! Look at it go. <laughs> <laughs> forever, you say. Uh oh. Uh, some are dangerous however and some don't even visibly manifest at all Uh, some artifacts or relics left behind are just like gravity wells that locally pull in and crush anything that passes them Uh, this is why professionals are the guys that go into the zone is because you can't just have actual tourists wandering in and you know being crushed into an inch wide cube by some invisible force yeah i don't think it's I mean, you'd be crushed into a singularity, right? Like, not even an inch-wide cube. And I don't know if you're crushed as much as you're spaghettified for all time, I think is the uh, technical term for crossing an event horizon. I think that's actually true. The term is spaghettified. Yeah, spaghettification. Yeah. Mom's spaghettification. (laughs) (laughs) Was the the published paper. (laughs) He's weak, arms heavy, getting sucked in the black hole already. (laughs) (laughs) Spaghettification. 
uh, people in some zones are rumored to have mutated horribly. Uh, and after one man moved from a visitation zone to Detroit, uh, he was followed by natural disasters and other events that doomed everyone in the city. Uh, people attempting to leave the zones are generally arrested or shot by security forces. Uh, the, the slang for the security guys are toads. Okay, sure. Yeah. Is there a reason for that? Probably their outfits. I think they they wear dark green, as far as I know. Oh, they, um, they have ten toes, so they're toad. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was the audiobook. Didn't see how it was written. You might be right. <laughs> can't can't confirm. The main character, uh, other than the Harmont Zone itself, is Redrick Red Shoehart, uh, and he's twenty eight when the novel begins. Um, he's originally a stalker. He would go into the Harmont zone and recover artifacts or swag as they stay in the biz. Um, and to clean up his act, he eventually becomes a lab assistant at the Harmont Institute, working with a scientist from Russia named Kirill. Was sorry, was swag a, a joke? Nope. Okay, so it is Fortnite, is what you're saying? I guess so. <laughs> you uh, well, Fortnite would be roadside picnic in this case because Fortnite it did come out after the 70s from what i can tell no i don't i think books are a relatively recent invention like post fortnite i think post fortnite yeah they've got to be right i mean fortnite's the original video game i can't remember anything before to be honest before fortnite (laughs) (laughs) everything's post night you know Uh, despite the fact that Kirill is his boss, Red comes to consider him a friend. Uh, Red is pretty surly. He's kind of like a struggling drunk, so I like him. Um, and he's just kind of rough around the edges. You know, he's like a rough and tumble kind of guy who used to, you know, illegally smuggle alien artifacts out of a forbidden zone. So he's got a couple of calluses on his hands. Is 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 that kind of guy? He's 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 not moisturized at all. He's one of those <laughs> classic stories of you know the. Uh, 17-year-old kid who hacked into MasterCard's data processing uh, things just to reveal the exploit and prove that they could, and they're like, you know what? We're going to hire you. Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, he's very much the ethical hacker of the zone. Uh, The two men study swag brought in from the zone uh, in an official capacity now. Uh, The Institute has protective gear called spec suits and vehicles to assist them in the, uh, like, assist their recovery crews within the zone. They also have, like, planned routes to make sure that their stalkers and their technicians stay as safe as possible. So they've mapped out where, like, where you could be spaghettified is marked on a map and has, like, a little flag nearby to let you know that don't step there. Sure, yeah. Don't lick this black rod because the infinite electricity won't shock you strongly, but it'll shock you forever. It'll make you go blind for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) Shock you forever, yeah. (laughs) Like the 9-volt battery feeling on your tongue for the rest of your life. Yeah, for the rest of your life. That would make you go mad. (laughs) Most things forever are just awful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, eventually, automation would take the jobs, and robot stalkers start getting set out, sent out within the the eight years over the course of the novel. Okay. Just like uh, just like robots stole the jobs of of salt of the earth cold calling salesmen. Now it's robo dialers. They took our yeah. entering dangerous exclusion zone jobs. Come on, robots, <laughs> leave something for us. Yeah, like not even the collection of evil alien slime is safe from automation <laughs> in like the flyover zones. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> bunch of fucking eggheads. Um, 
<laughs> Kirill sees hope in the zone, uh, what with all the infinite batteries and whatnot, and yearns for adventure within. He's never actually been into it up to the point of the book. Um, Red is predictably jaded since he knows exactly how dangerous things can get within the zone and how like difficult it is just to recover like something the size of a double A battery. Yeah, he does yeah. not find these things nearly as interesting. Rookie, you don't understand. It might seem great, these magic artifacts from another star, but I tell you, once it starts spinning, it just doesn't stop spinning, okay? It goes forever, <laughs> damn it! Twirling on your finger. You don't understand what it does to a man. It's like a fidget spinner that never stops, basically. <laughs> damn. Our, our, our reference in history here is, of course, Fortnite and fidget spinners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where Both of which predate books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it 2018, like, early 2018 right yeah. now? <laughs> this is this is legit our uh, Russian literature episode, and we just can't stop bringing it back to Fortnite and fidget spinners. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else were we gonna do? Name a better Russian novel, <laughs> a more important one. I the can't. Brothers I Karamazov. Can. Is War and Peace written in Russia? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's Tolstoy. That's it. Yeah, Anna Karenina, uh, Brothers Karamazov. There's there's a lot of good ones out there. Russian literature is a a big thing. Anton Chekhov. I mean Chekhov's gun named for the guy. He was cut more of a playwright than a novelist, but does Chekhov's gun from Fortnite? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a new new skin. Yeah, yeah. It's it's anytime, anytime a player runs by and you're trying to just hide in a bush, your gun automatically fires itself. <laughs> I read all my le- Russian literature by sending it to Russian streamers and having them translate it to me uh, through 100 yeah. bits, right? Oh, yeah. all those imported uh, Russian hot tub streamers, eh? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you, War and Peace going to cost you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the world record break, like break the world record for streaming. It's 21 hours straight in a hot tub. <laughs> yeah, then you can edit it and clip it all together too so it's just like a woman in different positions in a hot tub moving around and you can get your your story from start to finish right to finish, make it yeah. make it happen internet the, the way it. leo leo tolstoy wanted it to be read you know <laughs> <laughs> by a text-to-speech bot while a woman's in a hot tub in the background translating it yeah <laughs> Um, so the main artifact uh, that they reference in this section um, is called an empty. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've all kind of got slang terms for for what because they're found by blue collar dudes. Uh, so they all have very kind of simple names. This one I artif- call an empty because there ain't nothing in it. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Northern Ontario Harmont guy. I'll yeah. take my 1250 now, please. <laughs> Boreal Forest Gump. <laughs> that is very good. That's an excellent one. Uh, the empty is just two metallic discs that are floating 18 inches apart with nothing in between them. So the space between the discs is empty. <gasps> like somebody licked all the cream name. out of an Oreo. Uh, yes, and just like an Oreo, uh, the two pieces of cookie can neither be pushed closer together nor pulled further apart. Uh, they just float apart at a constant, unchangeable distance, exactly like a double-stuffed Oreo. This is this. Uh, if this artifact, assuming it does nothing but remain at all times 18 inches apart from its counterpart, this is like a magician's wet dream, dude. Think about how many illusions you could pull off with this. 
Yeah, you could just pass rabbits between it and impress like, <laughs> <Yeah>. simpletons. <laughs> Pour milk into a, a rolled up newspaper in between the two discs. It'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kirill theorizes that if an empty exists, then so too must a filled empty. Or optimistically, a half full, depending on who you ask. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Red, Kirill, and a newer stalker nicknamed Tender, after his alabaster butt cheeks. Uh, <laughs> all. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's not canon, but lore boys canon. <laughs> it is lore boys canon. <laughs> uh, all leave the Institute with spec suits and a vehicle slang, the slang for which is called the boot. Uh, it seems to be some kind of hovercraft that has, I think, a like a platform that goes up and down to keep the stalkers safe from the ground because they disembark from the boot with ropes. There's like little rope ladders or like zip, like a like a rope. You know, <laughs> yeah. to explain that. You're you're familiar with the five thousand year old concept of rope, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> came out just after Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was actually made through Fortnite as ways to get up and around the buildings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, they, oh, yeah. they'd had the grappling hook for years, but they didn't have anything to attach to it. <laughs> I, they, they just kept like just like whipping hooks over castle walls and they'd never get them back. <laughs> People in the past were so fucking stupid, guys. Yeah, not like us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do like um, the idea that uh, they found these like two floating discs 18 inches apart, and they're like, the last expedition came back empty-handed. We, ne- we need to go out and find the full now. Throw on your spec suits. That's pretty much it. Like, Carol's been studying these things, and uh, I don't know if it's just the name that gave him the idea, but like, <laughs> at which point do you make the link that two floating discs with nothing but empty space in between them is like, well, they must hold things. That's crazy. That's crazy. What's the point? That's crazy. That's absolute insanity. But Exactly. I mean... Okay, man. See, we don't ju- we don't just poke holes in the uh, the SCP episodes. <laughs> yeah, we also poke holes in this dumb idea. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> what a full look like other than just a normal object that exists from one end to the other. Yeah, like, that's just a ha- they're describing a hamburger. Was he hungry? A hamburger? Lunchtime? A rock? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but surely yeah. you could fit a patty, a slice of cheese, lettuce, and a tomato in between these two floating plates. Imagine it, Red. 18 inches of patties right in between <laughs> patties and American cheese. Uh, oh, yeah. It must be out there. <laughs> they got to stop building burgers up and start build burgers, building burgers out, dude. Well, now uh, we're just getting back into the pizza discussion. They're too thick. Don't, I don't want it like that way. Just give me a wider burger. Anyways. <laughs> okay. you, want, you want some wide, not thick. You heard yeah. it here first. <laughs> yeah. 18 inches, like 18 inches is not enough for Jamie is what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, the spec suits themselves are highly advanced. They're built by the Institute, which is government funded, and are compared to diving suits or space suits. They have like a big transparent visor in the front. They're environmentally controlled on the inside. No chafing, you know, just filled with baby powder. <laughs> no, no, no rubbing whatsoever. You got the little... Did you know that uh, astronauts' visors, you know, when you see, like, the they look like gold when they, like, flip them down or whatever? It's a second one, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's actually gold that they use for that, that like, screen. That's awesome. Because it reflects radiation better. They're, like, radiation Whoa. shields, that, like, is the gold ones or whatever. That's why they flip them down. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. How that's dare fun. you put an interesting fact into our stupid <laughs> episode? <laughs> you put in the interesting fact about Deneb and uh, Cygnus, the swan. That's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's yeah. true. And, and if you're ever in the forest, use a helmet with a Domino's pizza on the front yeah, so yeah. Bear doesn't get you. Bear doesn't like it. Bear doesn't want it. If you make the mistake of putting a Casa de Mama by Dr. Ucker in your in your back pocket, oh boy, you're gonna get fucked up by some critters. You're dead. Okay, yeah. I'd love to imagine they've got you know that like compressed canister of like bear mace is just like Domino's pizza sauce. <laughs> <laughs> it just like scorches people's yeah. eyes. <laughs> Domino's turmeric ranch. Like, oh thanks, Domino's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, this will scare a bear away in 35 minutes or it's free <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you, you have to schedule the bear yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah exactly well the bear calls oh. you the bear's ordering a pizza peter have you not been following <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i got you, you have... a pizza with extra bear yeah, it's yeah. just a and bear the... in a pizza box <laughs> and the bear's like you said of a bitch is it delivery or is it du jour now <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they had that commercial in the states. Uh, probably, maybe. Yeah, Who knows? Know. Is that it might be a Canadian thing? Actually, now that I think it's Kraft makes those pizzas. Is the thing? Tell us. Uh, Kraft is definitely an American company now. I know Delicio. Delicio's Canadian. DiGiorno is American. It's the same thing. Oh, see, I nailed it, yeah. Pete. Yeah, yeah. Delicio's too foreign for the Americans, so they changed it to DiGiorno. <laughs> I see that without. <laughs> up with so much confidence i don't know why i would know that but <laughs> i mean you yeah. got louis sakar right so yeah <laughs> you got louis sakar right and you're definitely right about why you build a burger so tall so right. i think i'm I, yeah. i'm pretty confident you're three for three here yeah you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh just one last thing about the spec suits here before we move on uh they're also uh completely fireproof and rumored to be bulletproof um rumor red <laughs> just who's spreading these rumors like hey hey spec suits are bulletproof pass it on <laughs> <laughs> i think they're built that way and advertised as such but it's funny you say that because red's inner monologue when they're getting suited up uh states that fire and bullets are earth hazards and the zone doesn't have any of those that's why it's been they're rumored to be bulletproof it's because you don't arm yourself in the zone unless you're a noob because there's nothing there that you can fight. You can't fight. You can't shoot at gravity. I mean, you can. I just don't think it's very effective. Okay, fine. <laughs> sure. I mean, you're, gonna, you're just gonna. Your bullets are gonna get spaghettified. Now you're shooting spaghetti. Who likes that? Italians. But who else? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, I got too drunk last night. Yeah, couldn't couldn't get it up. Just shooting spaghetti. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um uh however so the fact that the rumors are that they're bulletproof um and that there's just like defense against earth hazards the spec suits do happen to defend against something called burning fuzz and and something that seems to be like a spitting flower called a satan's blossom they got a they got a pill for burning fuzz now oh thank god (laughs) they didn't in the 70s yeah no because that pill was introduced in Fortnite. It could be a buddy cop movie too. What was that? Burning fuzz. fuzz. Yeah, buddy cop. Yeah. Hot fuzz is one of the best movies ever made. I'm Hands just going to throw that out. Hands down. Yeah. Uh, less advanced gear that is seemingly always brought into the zones are just loose nuts and bolts. Uh, these are just tossed ahead of stalkers to check for any gravity or magnetic anomalies that could peel a person apart. Sure. It's yeah. just it's their Hansel and Gretel breadcrumb trail. They just whip it in front of them, and if something fucked up happens to the screw, you just don't go that way. Yeah. Fun thing about black holes is like they everybody has like an image in their head of like what a black hole looks like where it's like completely black and then you have like the light event horizon around it. But like because it's actually bending light, you would never actually see it. Like the light would just get bent around it and any light that didn't get bent around it would get sucked into it and would never hit your eyes. 
So you actually wouldn't be able to see any kind of yeah. like thing ahead of you. So a black Dude. hole, it's like a concept more than anything. Exactly. Yeah. If you go too close to one, Matthew McConaughey sees his kids age really quickly. Yeah, too. exactly. <laughs> and all yeah. your books fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, black holes just knock your books off your shelves. Yeah. It's not really that dangerous. They knock your books off your shelves and they turn your, your corn crop bad. <laughs> I think that was the dust, wasn't it? Yeah. Sure. If we're gonna um, now we're gonna start getting technical with it. Yes, yeah. you're right. Because <laughs> it was the blight. Um, on the subject of films, actually, in the film, uh, one of the adaptations, one of the things that does carry over uh, in the zone uh, that I understood because it doesn't need subtitles uh, is whipping screws at shit. Um, in the fi- <laughs> in the film, though, <laughs> throwing screws at stuff in Russian, I'm just like, I don't understand this at all. You wouldn't shoot at gravity, but you might throw nuts and bolts at it. <laughs> just the one the one rookie uh stalker who just brings the literal kitchen sink to throw ahead of him tender <laughs> yeah. um in the film though they have little rags like a rag tail tied to them so that they fly better and are, are more easily visible you, that's not described in the book but it's a good addition because I, I don't know if you've ever thrown uh, a nut in the thrown a nut that's a good euphemism too uh, <laughs> i don't know if you've ever thrown a nut or bolt uh, in the forest, but it's impossible to then find that nut or bolt. Exactly. Whip it away. It's like, I don't think there's any black holes here. <laughs> you never see it get yeah. like intercepted by anything. Yeah, unless like dust in the wind or like a nut in the forest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like uh, golf on TV before they, you know, got the little guys to draw the little orange spot on it as it flies through the air. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of different ways to like detect a gravity anomaly like ahead of you. And the first thing that came to mind is everybody has like a stick on the top of their hat. And like some type of flag or like long string, so as the wind would fuck with that, that wouldn't save you at all. Yeah, well, yeah, the wind would be pretty tough to deal with. But I think (laughs) (laughs) there's some problems here. We just got to get around that wind thing. I mean, yeah, you could do it with um, like just do like a big like piece of iron, right, on like a bendy stick. Or two compasses. Two compasses. <laughs> two compasses? Held, that's just held magnetic at, anomalies, though. They'll, po- they'll both point towards it, right? Two, two compasses held at, at exactly 18 inches apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would have to assume that the gravitic force of a localized black hole would override the magnetic fields. He never like, said black hole, by the way. Like, we added that to it, but I think... It, yeah. it might just be a gravity place. I don't know what those are. A gravity they, they are just gra- they don't like suck you in from a distance. They do encounter one. Uh, Tender, Red, and Carol do encounter one where they just kind of whip a screw past it. And they just like redirect in the air and just get buried into the earth. So it's not like it's not like a black hole tornado or anything. It's just something that would basic probably just like crush all your bones if you uh, walked past it. Yeah, I mean, like it any, would kill you. Any black hole has an event horizon, like. We're not in danger of getting sucked into the mega colossal black hole at the center of our galaxy, but it is yeah. there. Yeah. Well, maybe like this gravity well, like if you go stand in the middle of it, you wouldn't feel like a 180 pound man. You'd feel like a 300 pound man if it was like a, a weaker one. Like it doesn't necessarily mean there has to be an event horizon. I don't know. What if it there's is. a, yeah I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If yeah. there's, if there's a singularity, if we're crushing things to a single point, then it is. Then there's an event. If there's an event horizon, which is where light can't escape, then that's everything that I'm talking about. And that's what I've been picturing in my head. But 
Yeah, could be either. Yeah, uh, the anomalies in the book aren't well described, so you're both right. I honestly. suppose it could be some sort of science fiction thing as well. Well, uh, let's not go too far. <laughs> well, gravity well, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but like on the subject of these things, like when you get killed in the zone by an anomaly, generally speaking, there is nothing left to bury. Um, okay. Towards the end of the novel, they encounter like piles of dust and Red just assumes they're people that he used to know that he never saw again that had been sent into the zone. Um, the men see and come close to a few anomalies. Uh, one is just a radio tower off in the distance covered in like shaggy fur. Um, <laughs> and that's it, just it's it's twenty four hour FM radio of Shaggy's greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, other other than the fact it's just Shaggy's greatest hits. Uh, Red notes that the institute tried to harvest some for study at some point with like a winch on a helicopter. Sure, but the fuzz immediately started to grow up the metallic cable of the winch. So before it got to the helicopter, they just dropped it. So now the cable covered in fuzz is just hanging off of the metallic tower. Damn. And it has not spread to organic material. The fuzz grows exclusively just on the metal tower and on the uh, hook and the cable. I hate to bring it back to rope, but have they considered rope? Like hemp rope? <laughs> <laughs> Shag would probably appreciate that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, like all, all, they've got all this like hemp military equipment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah it's got a loading capacity of 15 pounds we're gonna try and drag some fuzz <laughs> off that radio tower <laughs> the helicopter flying over just has like the loose hemp blades like, yeah. Dropping yeah. Right <laughs> <laughs> like streamers yeah, yeah. <laughs> hemp bro it's a miracle material okay <laughs> you should eat it it cures covid <laughs> no it doesn't cure covid that's that's it does not for legal yeah. reasons that's a joke yeah, exactly. We're all getting our vaccines. When this episode's out, Ethan and I are both going to be vaccinated. It's yes. all good. Yes. Um, the first location they try and get into within the zone is called the garage, which is just that. They're just named after the landmark. Uh, though it has been touched by the zone and contains a few anomalies, uh, along the way, the three men come across various things left behind by people who fled the zone. Uh, some vehicles are rusted all to hell, whereas some are inexplicably in perfect condition, where... So some things in the zone seem to be going quickly forwards through time, whereas some are just like locked in at a fixed point when the visitation occurred. Um, and they actually do manage to find a filled empty within the garage. And contained between the discs is not Oreo Jamie's stuffing. Dream Burger or Oreo stuffing. <laughs> uh, but it's probably still pretty good. 18 uh, inches is way too tall for Jamie's Burger. I'm sorry to keep cutting you off, but come on. <laughs> he likes some wine. Yeah. Like some yeah. wide, not thick. I turn it sideways. <gasps> Jamie, you could just do that with one of those tall burgers. Turn it sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Put the buttons on the end. Like... <laughs> if you cut it lengthwise, it might be kind of like an open faced. It, it'd be like a steak sub, right? Yeah. I'm ordering food tonight. Now I might have to get like some kind of burger and, and, and experiment, right? <laughs> you guys got wonder. a sideways burger that you, yeah. for delivery? <laughs> <laughs> Take a burger, rotate it 90 degrees. I'll just order from that same driver who brought me my pizza yeah, and it'll yeah. be folded in half by <laughs> yeah, the time it sure. gets here. Uh, um, the, the empty actually just contains like a thick blue syrup just like hovering between oh. the discs. Just some kind of alien garbage, again. Okay. Sure, yeah. um, Red can also see and hear what seem to be like silver cobwebs, uh, which are just kind of hanging between the empty, the filled empty, and the floor where it is sitting inside of the garage, but they're not actually connected to the empty itself. Kirill cannot perceive them, and when he's trying to help Red lift up the empty, 
uh, he actually backs straight into these silver webs. Uh, he cannot feel them or detect them or whatever. And Red, when he sees him do this, is like paralyzed with fear, assuming that he would just be immediately whipped into pieces by whatever this, whatever these threads were. Sure. Um, that doesn't happen. Like, Red checks his back when they leave, they load the empty onto the boot, and they head back to the Institute. Uh, even during decontamination in the showers, uh, Red checks Kirill's back for any markings. You always check, your, you always check your boy's back when you're in the showers. You know oh, I mean? yeah. Always. In case he touched a spider yeah. web. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's gross. Um, so nothing was there, and it left no trace on his body. However, hours later, Kirill mysteriously drops dead out of nowhere. Yikes. Yeah, just from coming into contact with the, uh, what is assumed from coming into contact with the, uh, with the silver webs. Sure. Um, losing his friend to the zone changes Red, uh, so he returns to illegal stalkering in like later chapters of the novel and is actually arrested for it after hiding some swag for his contact, who's a guy named the Vulture. Uh, sure. His last name is Burbridge. Um, <clears throat> section two opens with both of them in the zone trying to leave. Because Burbridge had gone in with him and had, like, fallen through some old floorboards and ended up nearly up to his knees in something called hell slime, which is one of the other kind of common, commonly referred to anomalies from the zone. And is hell slime uh, good or bad, Peter? Well, it's, it's really <laughs> up to interpretation. I'll, I'll tell you what it does, and then you guys can submit your Yelp review on hell slime. Uh, on hell slime? Okay, good. It's, it's, so you get a sideways burger. And then you get your hell slime, and it's not everybody's, not to everyone's taste, but we'll see if you guys are are, are into it. Not everyone um, likes turmeric ranch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the beigest sounding thing I've ever heard of. It just sounds <laughs> awful. Um, the slime bubbles and churns and burns with a blue vi- and burns with a blue fire, like burning alcohol or turmeric ranch. Sure. Um, however, the flames somehow make the area around them darker, so it is burning away light above the above the slime um the effect it has on the human body is a bizarre one it actually dissolves burbridge's leg bones completely but not his clothing or from what i can tell his meat or his muscle in the book okay so it does sound evil but i can think like if you're working the night shift and all that sun's coming in through your window a little bit of hell slime on the sill Cuts that you, know? you don't even have to wear They're a like mask blackout anymore. curtains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, we, mankind for thousands of years has tried to find ways to keep the sun out of their homes, but it's like here, here it is, just sitting under some floorboards, ready to dissolve bones and help right. you out with that pesky light problem in the afternoon. You know, I get some <laughs> yeah. terrible monitor glare. I'll throw it on the windowsill behind me, and suddenly I can do my work, read my you know periodicals. I can read Us magazine online digitally. In the afternoon when the sun's shining. And if you're in the States, uh, a home intruder could break in and burn themselves on it and then sue you for it, probably. But Yeah, yeah. it's, it's not a stand your ground slime. So like if some guy gets his... <laughs> when he's trying to crawl, like, climb over the windowsill and his, his finger bones are all dissolved... And all that's left over is like rubbery fingers, like like a, like a dish glove yeah, filled yeah. with turmeric ranch, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> then that's that's a, that's just a lawsuit waiting to happen. Um, so his legs are the reason I say it doesn't seem like it's been burned away. It's because his legs are never described as being physically harmed in any way. They're just kind of rubbery, like Harry's arm in the second Harry Potter. Like his bones are just gone. Right. He has bonitis. <laughs> My only regret is having bonitis. 
A complete impulse decision last night at like 2 a.m. I bought the Harry Potter Lego games on Switch because they were 75% off. Nice. I'm excited. I haven't tried them yet. I went to bed. Oh, okay. so, uh, lots to look forward to. I love that. The 2 a.m., I'm going to buy this, then go to bed. I was going <laughs> to download fast. It took an hour. Oh, <laughs> yeah. damn. Then it would be 3, and that's just way too late for a school night. To start a game, yeah. 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 Um, his legs, Burbridge's legs are later just amputated and replaced with prosthetics from nice. below the knee. So he's, he's got two peg legs now. Yar. Yeah, uh, Hell Slime is recovered by the Institute at some point, uh, but just decides to cause an accident at some point and the complete loss of one of their labs. The slime just started to turn everything it touched into yet more slime. Oh, yeah, but not Burbage's legs. Not Burbage's legs. No, just lost his bones. Hmm. Uh, it's Red like, and Burbage. Uh, Burbage's legs was the Domino Pizza of legs. And the house line was yes. like, no, thank you. <laughs> I gotta find that video now. Exactly. <laughs> the Domino's pizza of legs. <laughs> Completely undesired, even by alien waste. <laughs> the Domino's pizza won't even dissolve in acid. Like, not even the laws of nature want it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they certainly don't uh, want us as a sponsor anytime in the future, so. <laughs> That's a pity. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't eat cheese. You don't eat meat. Jamie is just going to end up with like hundreds of Domino's pizzas in his house. <laughs> no deer, though. Keep I those motherfuckers be, out. Yeah, <laughs> I can't be trusted with that much pizza. Yeah. Dude. Don't don't let it happen. Just uh, <laughs> just slap some Domino's pizzas to your windows to block out the sun. Yes. <laughs> oh, this are, this is this is an elegant set of blackout pizzas you've got there. <laughs> yeah. Domino's, the finest. I got the gourmet toppings, of course. Are those stuffed crust curtains? Oh, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so gross. (laughs) You know, like, the weight at the bottom of your curtains to keep them not from moving? Hot dogs. Hot dogs. (laughs) All jokes aside, I'm pretty sure now we're mixing metaphors, because that's got to be Pizza Hut, right? Oh, fuck, four, that's four true. Four cheese hot dog stuffed crust is a God-blessed American Pizza Hut invention, okay? <laughs> Jesus, Do dude. not besmirch their name by comparing them to Domino's. Sorry, 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 sorry. The <laughs> we crust might, is good. We might still be able to get sponsored by Pizza Hut, so I'm hedging, I'm hedging my Pizza Hut's in the video, guys. I found the video. Pizza Hut's there. I'll find the results later. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to the Institute for some science. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Red and Burbridge had entered the zone looking for swag naturally, but more specifically, they were looking for the Golden Sphere, uh, which is an artifact that is said to grant wishes. Um, this is another huge leap of logic, just like there must be a filled empty somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, because there's this thing that doesn't grant wishes that implies the existence of something that does. Yep. So that's exactly what I no wrote. <laughs> or that's exactly what I wrote. It's like, conso- like especially considering there are seemingly random fucking effects everything else from the zone has. That was, I guess, the logic where it's like, look, I have, you know, I have, you know, made a wish on all of these things, none of them have come true. <laughs> and there's one more fucking thing left in there. It's got to be the one. <laughs> it's got to be the wish one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> every single one does something, something unique. And every single thing has been done by one of these objects. You know how many sets of curtains I have that have baloney in the in the curtain at the bottom? <laughs> you know, we got cheese in the curtain at the bottom. We have one stuff with pimento olives in the curtain at the bottom. It's like there's every kind of food in these curtains, but I can't get a wish granted. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's just another one of the fucking things. The Golden Sphere eventually does become like the one more job red MacGuffin for the latter sure. half of the novel. Sure. Um, the zone uh, has a passive effect. So that's enough about swag. Um, the zone itself seems to have a passive effect on the children of stalkers. Uh, they are mutated, but not always in bad ways. Uh, Burbridge's son and daughter, Arthur and Dina, are both described as being like remarkably, almost unnaturally attractive, uh, but looking nothing like either one of their parents. They're both like children of the zone. Sure. So, so Burbridge, this mob boss, this kind of like slimy dude, gets the hot son and daughter. Um, yeah, where yeah, he gets the hot son and daughter, and Red gets the Shapiros. Ugh. <laughs> Great. Uh, Red. Oh yeah, uh, Red does have a daughter as well with his girlfriend Guta, uh, and they're not so lucky. Uh, she is still very young over the course of the book. Uh, she's born in section zero and is you know eight by section four. Uh, she's nicknamed Monkey due to being covered in long, sleek, kind of glossy fur and having little beady black eyes with no pupil and no white. Okay, like the kid in Jumanji. Exactly like that. Briefly. Like like yeah. the 12-inch steak and cheese. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot like, uh, well, I can't even remember that guy's name 12-inch steak and cheese, or as some would call it, a hamburger on its side. Yeah. <laughs> that's a long burger <laughs> well i'm just telling you red burgers stand upright which presupposes the existence somewhere in the zone of a sideways burger <laughs> I, have no mouth. I have no mouth yet i must eat this tall burger <laughs> or long burger or whatever or whatever man i don't know anymore <laughs> <laughs> what are we even talking about? The yeah. difference between a tall burger and a long burger is only perspective, my friend. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Monkey ages, she actually becomes more animalistic and very creepily begins to scream in her sleep. Um, Red's father has returned from the dead and now lives with him in Guta and Monkey and seems to be able to understand Monkey's screams and they kind of just like scream communicate with each other at night. It's sure. like obviously, obviously, this is like this is all jokes here. That section of the book, especially with the actor they had do the uh, the novel that I was listening to, is truly disturbing yeah. because the the psychological toll that that it takes on Red and Guta that their daughter is like basically haunting their house at night with his dead father who's been reanimated is just a very it's a very macabre scene. Like it's Pretty very awful. very creepy and uncomfortable. Pretty yeah. awful. Nothing like roommates, am I right? They're yelling at each other and everything, (laughs) too. Jeez. It's like, jeez, I got work in the morning. God. (laughs) Turn Netflix down, would (laughs) you? Gotta have a white Uh, noise machine in my room just to cover the sound of them. uh, Well, he can listen to Hot Tub ASMR on Twitch. (laughs) True. That'll drown out the screaming monkey. Get a little monkey child. Get all of War and Peace while you're at it. Uh, after years of automation and robot stalkers, the human side of the business has been driven deeper and deeper into organized crime. Uh, Burbridge has been hiring stalkers to map out a way to the Golden Sphere, and he uses like stalkers basically as a war of attrition with the zone, so promising them vast quantities of money and even, even, even paying it out. But eventually, all of them die, so you never have to... like pay that last paycheck you can give it to some other dude who is going to make it five steps further towards the golden sphere right 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Red and Arthur, um, so that's Burbridge's son, yeah. decide to I was go gu- into I was going to guess Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of the Sherlock Holmes books. No, he died slightly before this book came out. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. Sorry. Slightly Excuse after me. Fortnite. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he is also not a fictional character from a Russian novel. Oh, true. Okay. Well, all the Sherlock Holmes novels exist within the Stalker universe, yeah, yeah. obviously. <laughs> within the novel of Roadside Picnic is where all of those novels were written. Like a hamburger on its side, I choose to believe that everything you say is a matter of my perspective, Peter. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting caught up in the memes. What is actually going on in the story right now? We have two people, and they found the filled thing, and we moved on from the filled thing. They're going to find the golden apple, which grants wishes. At the golden the spear. Of Berberist, okay. who is a crime lord who yeah. uh, is hiring Lost people to do it because I guess he doesn't want to pay robots because the government is paying robots. I don't know. Well, he's he, so it's so it's not actually a book report summary of the novel. I'm covering just different subjects that like kind Come of developing the subjects yeah. within the story itself, which is why it's nonlinear is what we're talking here. We I do, do apologize. If, yeah. I do apologize if you're lost, but Burbridge lost his legs to the hell slime, which is why I included that there. He can't do it himself. Automation drove human stalkering into the uh, world of organized crime, which Burbridge is kind of the kingpin of. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So it's not your storytelling. It's our garbage in the middle that's confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all, these, it's all these curtain rods full of pimento cheese. That's that. <laughs> Um, Red and Arthur, who I mentioned earlier is Burbridge's hot son, um, bring a hot air balloon with them on their expedition. This is like the one last job for the Golden Sphere because now they know where it is. They they have a a hot air balloon. Are they they're trying to get around the globe in 80 days? Why a hot air balloon? <laughs> they're trying to they they figure the Golden Sphere is going to be hard to carry, so it's there to help them, and. Since they're doing this on the illegal side of things, they can't bring a robot or a boot with them. Yeah. Well, like a helicopter? You all could roll party. it, frankly, but... <laughs> all the party buses were busy with Fortnite, so uh, they had to... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, the party yeah. bus is technically just a hot air balloon because it's held up by balloons, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Maybe it's Fortnite technology they were oh, using. Oh, shit, yeah. that's why. They, yeah. Knew, yeah. they knew that the, the precursors had it right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, they bring in the hot air balloon, which is just like the easiest way, I think, for them to smuggle it in because, of course, a air balloon needs to be inflated. So once it's collapsed, it's easier to transport. And he has to transport it on his back in a backpack. Okay. Um, Arthur, during their trip, uh, makes the good point that the sphere is probably smooth and wonders how they're supposed to hook the fucking thing up. But Red kind of just ignores him because he, <laughs> he's just like, oh, whatever. He's too jaded at this point. Sure. Red, on the other hand, has been completely numb to the zone and knows that through trial and error, someone needs to be given to an invisible force to get to the sphere. So that's why he's brought a companion with him. He normally like, ooh, I work alone sort of thing. But he knows that somebody needs to go ahead of him. Okay. Um, The men encounter some kind of heat-based anomaly that for whatever reason does not burn their clothes away. It kind of hurts them through their clothes. Um... Red tells Arthur not to move, but he panics, like angering the anomaly because they weren't being harmed before uh, Arthur freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, another is a swamp, like it's kind of like a swamp, like pool of goo that is not hell slime that is protected by seeming like this electrical fence that like arcs between these black rocks. 
both these anomalies seem to have been combined in the Metro series that we mentioned earlier, which also features like these roaming balls of lightning that kill things that move. So if you move when one is in the area, it will just insta-kill you. It's an alien bylaw. If you put up a slime pool, you got to put an electric fence around it. So the yeah. kids uh, it. Yeah. It's, it's no yeah. running by the slime pool. That's the, <laughs> you know. Or else you get, you get electrocuted. Yeah. Yeah. Finally... When the men come to the sphere, uh, Arthur runs off towards it, kind of, he's like entranced, or he's celebrating, or he's just happy that he found the golden sphere for his father, uh, and he is just loudly shouting a wish uh, as he runs up to it, because, you know, you gotta make sure that the sphere can hear you, or it might, like, mishear you and give you a sideways hamburger instead of <laughs> happiness for all mankind, Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is what Arthur starts wishing for. Um, but sideways hamburger happiness for at least one man in all of yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um red of course did not warn arthur about this final anomaly uh which is lovingly called a meat grinder um arthur is lifted up and twisted in like a wet rag in like several unnatural little chunks uh red like notes that he watches one of uh, Arthur's boots with his foot in it just get launched up into the sky as he's being crushed into nothing. Sure. Um, or just pulled apart or whatever it is. Um, Red's intent was to wish for his daughter to be cured of her monkey curse. Uh, but watching Arthur get killed by the meat grinder kind of leads him to believe like, no, this kid wasn't so naive. I should just wish for happiness for all mankind. So after Arthur is killed, Red approaches the sphere yelling the exact same wish, uh, which is happiness for everybody, free, and may no one be left behind. Um, and then the novel ends. It is never confirmed whether Red is pulled apart by the meat grinder, makes it to the sphere, or if it even grants wishes. And he, right. I mean, I, I mean, if it succeeds, now he's happy that his daughter's a monkey. Why didn't he just try wishing on her paw, though? first i mean before going to all this trouble <laughs> the ironic <laughs> consequences he, like you'd have to ground her forever <laughs> <laughs> now my daughter's that's... too hot <laughs> well, <laughs> grounded missy well actually she would have been ground forever if he just would have wished her that she became better because she would have been sent into the meat grinder right, oh, right ground right. forever oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's roadside picnic uh, that's cool. some of the anomalies the cool. setup for the novel like a kind of a brief summary of it i had a lot of fun listening to it had a hell of a lot more fun talking about it. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's Roadside Picnic. That was a request, I think, from Saucy uh, or someone else on the Discord. Um, but if you want to suggest a topic for one of our episodes, please, theloreboys.com slash about everything important is there, including the Discord where we have our lore requests channel. And I have been your host, Peter O'Donoghue. Um, you can, of course, find me on Discord or check out the old Instagram, which is at Loreboys Podcast. Yeah. Uh, I've been your co-host, Ethan Palmer. Um, do check out the loreboys.com slash about page. Send us emails if you want to have questions read by us. We're going to do a uh, mailbag at some point in the near future. We're all kind of busy these days. Um, lots of stuff going on in our personal lives, but we're going to get to it in the next, you know, a while let's say we're, we're, ethan's getting married i have the burning crusade coming out soon exactly, it's, yeah. it's we, all all got, we all got stuff going on man you're taking <laughs> more time off for the burning crusade than i am taking off for my wedding so <laughs> <laughs> by like double and then some uh <laughs> i have a lot of vacation saved up dude i'm not even taking half of my vacations holy fuck uh do you want to plug anything other than your vacation james 
Yeah, you can find me on um, Steam at J-A-Y-M-I-L-K. Uh, get into the Discord. Go to Lordboys slash yeah. about and get into <laughs> it. <laughs> <like> Jesus. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you guys uh, want to send us some emails and have your stuff read on air, uh, that's contact at loreboys.com or loreboyspodcast at gmail.com. And if you guys want to support the show financially, like Peter said at the top of the show, where he is really trying to do more for the patrons, uh, which good on you, Pete. Um, but you can go to patreon.com slash the lore boys. All the info's there. We have several tiers, whatever makes sense for you. Uh, and we super, 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 super appreciate everybody who's done it. It's like we got our golden sphere and you guys have granted all our wishes. Um, yeah. And a uh, special shout out on Patreon actually to Darkside Bunny, who I guess uh, came in some money he clearly didn't need because he increased his tier from uh, the $9 to the $15. So thank man. you very much, sir. Shout out. Um yeah, and anybody who doesn't trust Patreon, of course, we have Lower Boys Prime, something we've had from the beginning. We've been shooting a lot of spaghetti at the wall out of our spaghetti gun <laughs> here to try and come up with ideas for this one. Uh, unfortunately, we did kind of get caught up in some uh, pizza debates. So we have a bunch of, let's say, what's the polite way to say, pizzas half-eaten by raccoons uh, that we want to give to people <laughs> and expect them to pay for it, fellas. Uh you know, this, the stuffed crusts are uh, getting a little rank at this point. The raccoons love to suck out the hot dogs of the cr- of the crusts, let me tell you. But we're giving them away. We're giving them away to the first 10 <laughs> listeners who write in and say, give me free pizza, please. Uh, of course, uh, we're giving them away for free. All you have to do is send us uh, $62, and uh, we'll make sure to process your request for the free pizza. Um, you're not paying for the pizza? Mind you, it's pizza's free. You're paying for the right to be considered in the draw for the pizza, which is free, of course. Uh, so sixty-two dollars. Make sure to send it, um, and we'll uh, if you're if you're the lucky winner, we will send you a uh, sad, sad pizza with the hot dogs sucked out of the crust by raccoons. <laughs> <laughs> I think that constitutes that it. constitutes war boys, war boys. That uh, institutes that that i i e t c a war boys a. International Institute of Extraterrestrial Cultures. Cultures. Curtains. Curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Mics are hot. (coughs) Oh, God. That was the worst. Okay. (laughs) My name's Ethan. Uh, Jamie might have large genitals. Pete might have large thighs, but my genitals are just too cold. (laughs) (laughs) I'm James, and I'm waiting for some jeans, uh, but the porch pirates and the the curse of the black denim is out there trying to steal my jeans. James is jetting some jeans this jeekend. (laughs) (laughs) Jaftery G-Jets is Jackson. My name is Peter. I'm going to take a leak after this test, and hopefully it doesn't affect my audio quality. Hope not. I think once I drain the lizard, my voice can make it a lot higher. Yeah, it just gets higher. It doesn't get louder, though, so you're fine. Okay. Oh, that's true. That's the thing. <laughs> hey, guys, I finally relieved myself. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I've been holding that in all day. That's how they fill up helium balloons. They just have a, guy, they have a guy breathing out while he pisses. Yeah, they have, they have one of those drunk party clowns who just <laughs> smells like whiskey peeing into balloons. <laughs> We're on the way. Keep an eye out.
But then if you click on tracking, it says it's going to show up on Saturday. <laughs> so what are they walking them there themselves? Yeah, yeah. They just they show up on Saturday and there's just a desiccated Jamie on his stoop waiting for his jeans. <laughs> You're dead, yeah. sir. They're in the delivery guy's laundry. They'll be dry this weekend. <laughs> there's also the lady who walks her cat upstairs and she's kind of known for taking people's packages. Oh. So I, just, I just went banging on her door and like looking around to be like, hey, have you seen something? And Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 